Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 344 of... Linux in the Ham Shack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And we have a great show for you tonight. It's our short topics episode, and we'll have some good amateur radio and open source things to discuss. So since we had such a long pre-show, we should probably just dive right in and tell you who we all are. I am Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And even though you probably weren't privy to the ridiculous conversation before all of this happened, <laughs> we should uh, just let Bill dive headlong into the lead topic. Yeah, so we have news here that the Contest University 2020 will be held online, free, via Zoom. Due to the unfortunate cancellation of the in-person Contest University 2020, we know that the CTU registrations have been purchased. These purchases have been made online by credit card via or via PayPal or personal checks. All refunds will be made through the same method of the original purchase. So that means if you actually paid to go to Contest University, you're getting a refund. Um, all credit card sales and refunded, blah, blah, blah. We don't anticipate. It doesn't matter. But anyway, the cool part is if you go to ContestUniversity.com uh, this Thursday on May 14th, they're having the Contest University content will all be online via Zoom. All you have to do is register to get your link to join the Zoom conference. Hopefully, there will not be any Zoom bombing going on in there. But, uh, yeah, so if you've never had the opportunity to go to Contest University at Dayton, um, this is a kind of a cool opportunity to uh, see all the content for free. And if you haven't got your refund yet, you might want to get a hold of them because after May 15th, any remaining registration money or dinner ticket money will be donated to youth activities via WWROF. So check that out. All righty then. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Get your money back, I guess. Well, yeah. And, and you get to see it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it and starts at 945 in the morning here. So. Yeah, pretty early. Well, uh, 945 no. here is not bad. 745. 845 yeah. Eastern. Oh, 7.45. Oh, crap. You're right. Ah. <laughs> Which is 6.45 at my house. And so suddenly it's not for so attractive. Yeah, so, so suddenly yeah. it's, <laughs> So unless they're paying me, I'm not attending. <laughs> yeah, and they'll, they'll be uh, giving away an HF radio probably. So, yeah. So it's always worth it to go check it out. So yeah, you can All win right. something. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Russ, drag your butt out of bed and go see it. <sighs> Fine. I'm registered and I'm going to try to make it. So we'll see. I'll see what I can do. I don't know about this 7:45 in the morning crap, but <laughs> well, the thing is, it's all day, isn't it? Or most of the day? Most of the day. I think it's like six hours of content or something like that. Yeah. So, so it's not a full day, but uh, yeah, it should be pretty cool. We can log in at eight o'clock. It'll kill you. So no, probably not. You can work around it. Listen on one computer. Work on another computer. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> 
It's not like I don't have one or two lying around. Uh, or 12 or 14. So. <laughs> so a link to that, of course, will be in the show notes. So check it out. Uh, moving on to amateur radio topics, we have Learn CW Online reports highest monthly numbers in 10 years. Well, who would have thunk since everyone's stuck at, at home? home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a post on Reddit from Hophead1685, Bill, it's like not only are you picking stuff off of Reddit, you're picking stuff off of Reddit for people who like IPAs. It's just, oh. Hophead, yeah, how about that? <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's awesome. <laughs> he says, good job to everyone who's using this time to learn slash brush up on their code. The user posted a graph of Coke lessons for the last 10 years showing steady growth, but a huge jump for this period of quarantine to over 70,000 lessons in April and still climbing above that for May. With well over 3 million lessons in the last 10 years, this continues to be a great source of CW learning online. A link, of course, to the Reddit article will be in the show notes. And I've noticed that there is this huge drive all of a sudden. It's not, it's not about ham radio specifically, but it's about CW specifically. People are just really digging the Morse code right now. Dit, dit. Yeah. <laughs> it's great it's great it's a, such a you know it's such a good time to do it especially if you're at home and trying to kill time you know uh and there are just so many good resources out there now too so i think and the awrl fun with it is going to be like kicking them not the awrl but the fcc whatever whatever it is the awrl vec or whatever is going to be kicking themselves for getting rid of the cw requirement now because everyone's going to know it and yeah, well, I don't know. I it, doubt so. that. <laughs> but it just means that more people are going to be participating in CW right. contests and stuff like that, which have been really well attended anyway. So uh, there really hasn't been a huge drop off from uh, from all of that activity when they drop the uh, the license requirement. You know, go go into any CW contest. Trust me, the band is full. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good news that it's not. It's not sort of going away and people are still interested in it and that when a contest or a special event comes around that involves CW, that there are still many, many participants. And it sounds like soon there will be many, many more. So there you go. Uh, Cheryl, do you want to talk about Zoom, Skype and Meet? Meet, sure. So their next topic is holding club meetings by Zoom, Skype and Meet. Dan shares an email he received from Nick, G-A-4-I-W-O. G-A-4-I-W-O. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> g4 iwo what did i say ga G-A. oh sorry g4 iwo <laughs> sorry no it's okay about using the format for online club meetings has increased the engagement of their club members don comments on this saying dan uh, blow up your font where's your font? No, my font my font is i don't know what my bright my brain is like, well, I'm still worried about my dish that's missing. <laughs> I'm thinking about your dish for, for a half hour, and then we'll worry about it later. All right. So Dan comments on this saying, I think this is a real opportunity to bring our worldwide amateur radio community together, and I'd like to start a list of online amateur radio club meetings that are open to all. Now, these are my notes here for me. Yeah. Okay. So, switching over to Bill. Bill said. <laughs> Bill says. Yeah. 
So yeah, I was thinking, I was reading this article and uh, it's a little bit more than just what the blurb we kind of put there, but that kind of gives you the gist of it is that a lot of clubs are, are starting to use these technologies such as Zoom and, you know, um, you know, WebEx and stuff like that to do their meetings. And uh, hey, they're looking for, you know, possible content too to start filling these meetings. And what better content than to have you know, your favorite podcasters, your favorite media producers and stuff like that in the amateur radio community, you know, now's the time to kind of, you know, you're in their forum already, right? You're, you're an electronic delivery platform for your meetings. You know, now's the time to, to contact, uh, you know, these people and, and try to get them to come to your meetings and, and do presentations and have some stuff. But also it's an opportunity for you as somebody who's, you know, if you're not a club member, whatever you want to kind of experience what some clubs are doing, uh, with the open meeting formats, uh, you can go and kind of see what various clubs are doing without ever leaving your house, which is really kind of a cool thing. It makes you wonder why people haven't really leveraged this technology before, because they could probably generate a lot more interesting club activities, especially for those who have a hard time getting to the actual club meetings. You can have a local club meeting and stream online, online as well. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do one or the other. You can do both. Both, right. And, you know, that would seem to uh, aggregate a much larger group of interested individuals. So, Were our local yeah. clubs using, what, Facebook Live for theirs? They're using Facebook Live, yes. And there are lots of other technologies, of course, like Zoom and right. and the club that the other club that I'm involved with, the Aristic Amateur Radio Club, they're using Adobe Connect that they're borrowing they they had a room created for them by the Arista County Emergency Management Agency. That's cool. Oh, on, cool. on Adobe yeah. Connect, so they're using that to to Do broadcast their meetings. meetings live. So that's really cool. Well, I know our local club's doing what nightly meetings, although they're thinking about doing it twice a week. Well, they they were doing nightly meetings. Uh, they called them the wellness, wellness checks, checks or yeah. wellness nets and stuff like that, and they were broadcasting them on Facebook. Uh, and they're probably going to start uh, pairing that back because. People are able to get out more and stuff like that. Yeah, I know so. they said what Tuesday and Saturday was the the now idea. I'm not sure if they've actually made any changes, but they're certainly discussing cutting changing back. it back, right? So. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. So it's a good opportunity for you to visit clubs. This is a great way to do that, and uh, yeah, no matter what technology they're using, this is uh, this is kind of a an interesting opportunity in that uh, in that area. Yep, absolutely. And also, six meter season is now open. open. It's open for business. <laughs> if you haven't taken time to build or put up that six meter antenna, you're probably talking directly to me with this. But oh, yeah. uh, now <laughs> is the time to do it. Uh, Bill says he's been getting daily emails of various E skip and F two skip openings on the band, even with the station plugged into its crummy and fed half wave. He's picked up stations as far as eighteen hundred and eighty miles away. Uh, there are many resources for six meter activity, but one of Bill's favorites is dxmaps.com, where you can sign up for a propagation warning email that will help you strike when the opportunity arises. Uh, woot woot. There's also dxheat.com. I don't know if they actually send out warning emails though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they do. I know DX Maps does because they constantly email me like every day. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it says propagation might exist because all of a sudden it'll be like, yeah, you know, stuff's coming up closer to your latitude. And uh, yeah, there's been a, a, a lot of activity on six meters and including some, some really nice uh, openings to the south. So uh, yeah, if, uh, if you don't have that stuff up and going, get it together. 
now because uh, <laughs> it's it's picking up, and this is this is a time to get into it early. Come together while you're still working from home. <laughs> Exactly. You know, before you have to go back to the real world and have to work every day, uh, you know, get anything up. Yeah, a simple dipole. Uh, The key with six meters is as long as it's resonant. Like, literally, it doesn't matter. You put a vertical up, it's fine. When the band's opening, you're fine. You're going to, you're going to work everybody that's on the band. There's no, no question whether it's horizontal or, you know, vertical, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You just want, as clean of a signal in and out of your receiver as possible, so you don't have to deal with any major losses. Well, as soon as I can get the antenna that I've got up in the air down so I can make some adjustments and attach the hamstick dipole to it, then I'll be able to get on six meters as well. So, yeah, we'll get there. Painter's pole, man. <laughs> Put it on a painter's pole and just duct tape it to the house. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get done a hell of a lot quicker than the other project will. Probably so. <laughs> I imagine you're correct, but they both need to be done at some point. Yeah, and your antenna does it for six meters. You know, you don't have to have much height. You know, eight, get it eight, 16 foot in the air. You're fine. It's fine. Just keep it away from other things. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. A link to that story will, of course, be in the show notes. And moving on into the world of open source, we have 3D printed N95 Montana masks, Montana mask design released under the GPLv3. Ooh, open sourced masks. Cool. Since the COVID-19 pandemic has made personal protective equipment worth its weight in gold, makers have been trying to bridge the gap. While sewn masks have been the most common solution, the 3D printing community has been pitching in as well. The Montana mask has been one of the most popular designs. On Thursday, a few days ago, the group Make the Masks announced that they designed files and STLs to print the masks have been released under the GNU General Public License Version 3, allowing anyone to print, sell, remix, or improve the design as long as they conform to the license. Importantly, the GPL V3 includes an international non-exclusive patent grant meaning that even if the inventors decide to apply for a patent, it will not restrict anyone from using its design. That's cool. It is cool. I mean, GPL3, the idea behind copyleft and paying it forward sort of through the whole process, very cool. And it's funny that this story came from Slashdot because Slashdot is a resource I haven't looked at in probably five years, (laughs) and I started looking at it like two days ago. I was like... Wait a minute. There was this great tech news resource <laughs> called Slashdot that used to be like what all the kids used. <laughs> so, Abandoned Slashdot. Yeah. And I started using it again. And wow, what do you know? Here's Slashdot yeah. in the news. So I've still been subscribed to Slashdot. A lot of times on Slashdot, I'll dig into the article deeper and then kind of find other resources. Um, some of their aggregation hasn't been that great. I mean, those of us who have been on Slashdot for a long time remember the fact that there used to be a thing called the Slashdot effect. Yep. Getting Slashdotted. If you got Slashdotted, that meant your website was dead. (laughs) (laughs) It also meant your website was really popular. Yeah. But it was also dead. (laughs) So, yeah, the very first thing someone would do is ensure that there's a cached copy of that website somewhere before they post it on Slashdot and post both links on there so you could hit the cached copy (laughs) once the server goes, you know, (laughs) straight up. Kafui, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's a good resource. Oh, Tom also says, don't forget Fark.com. I have Fark. Careful. Uh, I've done this. <laughs> There's, there has been a lot of unique um, 
DIY mask type stuff that's been coming out. Like I saw a video oh, ventilators too. The oh yeah. And, well, no, but yesterday I watched a video about them using a two liter bottle to make one of the plastic face coverings. Oh yeah. Yep. And I would, yeah, I watched that video. I was like, okay, that's whoever came up with that was a genius because it's perfect. You know, and like using, um, Russ and I have a silhouette cameo and you can use, uh, the vinyl or uh, plastic folders, school yeah. folders to make little, um, bracket type things to keep them, keep the masks from digging into your ears. Just hook the masks on that around the back of your head instead of, you know, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And somebody said, you, you know, buy like a bucket of, um, the little monkey game, whatever it's called. Oh, monkey. Barrel, barrel of monkeys. Barrel of monkeys, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and apparently you can use, because of the way their arms are twisted around, you can use those oh, yeah. to... Uh, Two or three keep, of them around the back of your head. There you go. Yeah, so, yeah, I was like, okay. A lot of nurses in this area are complaining because their ears are just raw from using the... Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you're really yeah, the strings. Yeah, yeah. Back to back shifts and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that's, so, that's not good. <clears throat> yeah, excessive. Anyway, yeah. let's uh, get on to more open source stuff here. We have a couple of releases that just kind of breeze over. These are sort of flash topics. One is Open Indiana Hipster 2020.04 is released. Open and, Indiana. Uh, wow, Solaris is still a thing. I know. I know. <laughs> All Open Indiana system software was rewritten in Python 3. Well, wow, so much better. Uh, installation images now don't deliver Python 2.7 interpreters or libraries. However, some software still requires Python 2.7. We've moved to GCC 7 as the default compiler. Uh, so just a little information on Open Indiana. That's a rolling release distribution of Alumos which in turn traces its roots back to Open Solaris. The original intent of Alumnos was to replace the closed-source parts of Open Solaris with open-source ones. That's a lot of open-open. Uh, but after Oracle discontinued Open Solaris, uh, Alumnos grew into a full-blown fork of uh, Open Solaris. So there you go. There's a history on that, and that was from OS News. Did you say a full fork? A full fork. <laughs> All right. So what's Let's the next one? Fork off. There you go. The <laughs> next one is a Ghost BSD 20.04. Everybody's doing a 20.04 release of some sort here. So April is the month for uh, for random releases. Uh, they released 20.04, then quickly turned around and released 20.04.1 because they wanted that solid 0.1 build instead of a 0.0 build. But anyway, Eric BSD announces, I am happy to announce the availability of Ghost BSD 20.04. But first, thanks to all the people that gave feedback and, uh, and reported issues. We fixed a couple of problems that were found in 20.03. This release comes with kernel and OS updates and numerous software application updates and many improvements like replacing no mount, gnome mount, sorry, <clears throat> and, uh, halt, halt D with, uh, FreeBSD DevD and Vermadden Auto Mount. Sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right. I don't use BSD that much. Uh, which make uh, auto mounting and unmounting of external devices way more stable and supports more file systems. This, uh, and the quick fix, the dot one fix was, uh, to, uh, fix the setup of NVIDIA driver on the installed system. The NVIDIA driver was not set up properly in the ISO build. They say sorry for that inconvenient. 
<laughs> to our NVIDIA users. And that's from the GhostBSD site. And I'm actually, I'm, I started installing GhostBSD a little bit earlier, but now it's doing an update. So it feels kind of like Windows uh, in that way. It's got to update 4 billion things from the ISO, which doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but I noticed it does come with Mate as the uh, the default desktop i didn't i mean i didn't select one specifically but like that's what it installed so it looks pretty slick so far i will uh i will kind of take a look at that later on and report back on it but uh yeah there you go ghost bsd very cool i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, you're, if you're into the bsd thing i suppose this is linux in the ham shack not bsd in the ham shack i know we tried one we, we had one episode <laughs> we had and, one episode i'm just you know, we're Rich still waiting did for another one right <laughs> I guess um, once every two years is about good for <laughs> what the hell's his name. <laughs> I know his call sign K0EB. I just can't remember his name. <laughs> it's been a week. I told you that. All right. <laughs> it's rich, isn't it? Yeah, it's rich. <laughs> Mr. Gordon, as he's called by no one. Um, all right. So <laughs> So let's move on to Linux in the Ham Shack. The first story we have in here is WSJTX 2.2.0 reaches release candidate one. Joe Taylor announced on the WSJTX Devel mailing list that WSJTX 2.2.0 will be a significant program upgrade offering many new features. The first candidate release is now available for download and used by beta testers. This candidate release is your first chance to test the new features and provide feedback to the WSJT development group. Among other improvements to the decoders, FT4 has corrected bugs that prevented AP, also known as a priori, decoding and or multipass decoding in some circumstances, and it's improved and extended the algorithm for AP decoding. And for FT8, decoding is now spread over three intervals. The first starts 11.8 seconds into the RX sequence and typically yields around 85% of the possible decode. So you can see most decodes much earlier than before. A second processing step starts at 13.5 seconds and the final one at 14.7 seconds. Overall decoding yield on crowded bands is improved by 10% or more. Systems with received latency greater than 0.2 seconds will see smaller improvements, but will still see many decodes earlier than before. SNR estimates no longer saturated at plus 20 dB, and large signals in the passband no longer cause the SNR of weaker signals to be biased low. Times written to cumulative journal files all.txt are now correct, even when the decode occurs after the transmit-receive sequence boundary. In FT8D expedition mode, AP decoding is now implemented for hounds when the fox has a compound call sign. So, lots of nice improvements there. And I have to be downloading that and check it out. And I saw some discussion in the Grid Tracker Discord today where, wait, that's a different thing. Never mind. (laughs) Well, did you want to mention it anyway? (laughs) Uh, Where they were talking about actually integrating with um, FLDigi and doing some work with them. So I don't know if anything's actually going to come of that. So don't take this anywhere beyond here. But apparently there may yeah, be don't talks. tell anybody. There, there may don't be talks them. between N0TTL and W1HKJ about integration of some sort of the two. So who knows? 
Yeah, and there's new releases of FL Digi trying to trying to come out. I know they've been doing various builds on their mailing list as well. I just haven't uh, haven't seen anything kind of finalized over there. <clears throat> yeah, I did. Uh, it's funny. I, I I think I annoy Tag more than anything because, <laughs> as everyone knows at this point, I was sick for several days, and he released a new download of Grid Tracker yesterday. Um, which was uh, May 10th. And I think he does most of his releases on Saturday or Sunday, um, probably because that's when he has time to work on and put things together and then push it out. But I finally got back to my computer and sort of feeling normal today. And so the first thing I did after he put out his release yesterday was say, oh, can you add this? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, one more feature. Yeah, exactly. So he did. And I thought it was a feature that sort of should have been there in the first place because it kind of makes sense to me. One thing I noticed is that the callable roster, and I'm sort of going off on Grid Tracker here, which has nothing to do with anything we're talking about tonight, but bear with me for a second. In the callable roster, there are multiple columns, and you can choose which of these columns you see. And many of the columns, but I don't think all of them, are sortable. They're either sortable ascending or descending, depending on how you want to view the data. But there was a default sort order, and I can't remember what the default sort order is. I think it might have been like call sign ascending or something like that. But if you change it, then it always, like, and then stopped the program and reloaded it, then it always went back to the default of call sign ascending. I thought it made more sense to go back to the way you had it set when you closed the program. And that's what I asked to be added, and he said he added it. So ah, okay. So <clears throat> little continuity bug. I don't know if you call it a bug, but I would call it. Yeah. I mean, user I, experience I, is still a bug. I don't know why I set it the way I do because I always set it by DB level ascending or descending. So the strongest I see the str- the strongest signal first, and then the weakest signal last. Ah, and I sort of. You know, that's how I like it, but I like to see that every time I see it. <laughs> so up till now, I've had to set that every time I start the program. Now I don't have to do that anymore. So I'm happy. <laughs> One less thing to click. Exactly. So <laughs> thanks, Tag. Appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. And these next two, of course, are just stub uh, in the chat or in the Etherpad. So, Bill, you're going to have to handle them. Go for it. Okay, yeah, so the very first one is Linux Log version 1.23. Now, this is this uh, logger that we talked about in the last episode as a feedback item, and I said I kind of took a look at the code and stuff like that. This time, I actually uh, ran it on uh, my system, and the only extra packages I needed to install in order to kind of get the uh, main application running is uh, Python 3's uh, Qt... Oh, sorry, Qt Pi. (laughs) But Qt Pi. Qt Pi. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and BS4, of course, for Beautiful Soup, and uh, WebSocket. So three packages, and of course, we list those in the uh, show notes. And uh, yeah, they, uh, the uh, the logger comes up real cleanly. It actually has a really nice looking, uh, uh, you know, clean UI that's already kind of uh, colored for the system, which I thought was kind of nice, nice touch. Um, and it automatically logs you into the uh, cluster, DX cluster. So you automatically start getting spots in the application. And everything comes up sort of in like different windows. So it doesn't come up in like a big main window with a bunch of stuff inside of it. It's all these separate windows come up. You get a logging window. Your uh, 
uh, your uh, DX cluster window. And then uh, the settings are sort of limited, but again, it only logs to an ADIF file, so it's not real complex. It does look like it has some um, some reporting or lookup via EQSL. Seemed to be the only thing that it was uh, uh, going to be able to attach to for uh, for your automatic uh, uh, QSO reporting. But uh, overall, not not too bad looking. There's no uh, like I thought. There was no integration in with the uh, with your rig control and stuff like that. But if you need a real simple logger that doesn't look too bad and has a uh, a little bit of features, you know, with the uh, DX cluster and stuff like that, uh, it wouldn't be a bad option to run. If uh, I don't know, maybe run a Raspberry Pi and you just want kind of just a low end logging software to run. Why not? You know, it looked uh, it looks pretty good. So, uh, yeah, give that uh, Linux log a, a look if you're looking for something really lightweight, nothing too complicated with uh, support for DX clustering. Uh, not too bad. And of course, all the sources there. It's all in Python. It's pretty uh, pretty wide open. So I wouldn't be concerned about it being from Russia <laughs> or, or wherever the hell it's from. So uh, it's on Git, GitHub, GitHub, and we've linked that before. And I think I linked to the uh, website in the show notes here so you can kind of see. I think they have a installer, which is a shell file. I'd pass on that. Just, you know, um, our instructions are pretty simple. <laughs> if you're running Ubuntu 20.04, uh, it's a, it's a no brainer to get this, uh, get this up and running. Uh, and then the other topic we have is Shack PC updates. Um, I just want to say I, I had Fedora Core 31 on my Shack PC, and uh, I'm pretty sure I, I can't remember if I mentioned it in the show before, but I know I mentioned it to our chat room that, uh, yeah, I could not upgrade to Fedora Core 32. And and then when I started trying to install Fedora Core 32, I was having all kinds of issues. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them related to my goofy setup I have with that precision laptop, which included me going in and deleting some UEFI entries and stuff like that. So um, it got a little ugly, but uh, I did uh, install uh, Ubuntu Budgie 20.04, and it's beautiful, and it runs great, and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I've reset up all my virtual machines to uh, to finish up the uh, the videos uh, like I said I was going to, but I didn't. So <laughs> I have reshot the uh, the Ubuntu one, uh, the Zubuntu one using the XFCE, and uh, I hope to have that redubbed here uh, hopefully in the next couple of days, and we'll get that out to the channel. And uh, how's your lockups going? Well, it hasn't locked up yet. I'm watching it decode. Uh, WSGTX right now. Sweet. So, yeah, you had some problems with it locking up on the kernel it came with, but we just had a kernel update just the other day, I think. Yeah, it, it was locking up on 26. It was locking up on 28. I don't remember what the main kernel build is. It's like 550, I think. Um, and I just upgraded to 550.29 or 540.29 or whatever the hell it is. Um, Five four zero twenty nine, yeah. Yeah, five four zero twenty nine, and uh, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't know what subtime is. I can, I can check it real quick. But so far, no lockups. Sweet. I think I might have rebooted it today, though. I think I was getting panic, panicky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Something yeah, must be been, wrong. It's still running, <laughs> but it was, it was running when I, it was running, of course, when I rebooted it. Um, and it's been up for twelve hours now, so. Uh, right. You know. had the you had the black screen of death. Basically, it would not. Uh, no, no, no. Come, it wasn't black management. It oh, wasn't it was... black screened. It was just it was showing whatever it was doing when it locked up. Oh, okay. And it was locked up hard. I mean, couldn't do anything with it except for 
hard press the power button. So, wow. Yep. Well, I guess we'll see. Cross your fingers. If it locks up again, I mean, this is three kernel revs. So if it locks up again, I'm just going to assume it's a hardware issue and buy a new computer. So Cheryl didn't even blink. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Don't you have like 5,000 servers that you trip over? Just use yes, one of those. exactly. I can't not exactly run a server in here. They sound like a jet aircraft. You know what it's like. I mean, <laughs> virtualize, virtualize. It kind of sounds like that anyway. Actually, if I get, uh, if my job gets done transferring everything off of the blade chassis they've got, I might just like sort of take that off their hands real cheap and use it. <laughs> I'll have to put it in another house because of things louder than <laughs> things louder than a rock concert, but I'll have to, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the one we had here. I couldn't even have it in the garage or anywhere. Cause it was like, you'd hear it all over the house. The thing was so loud. <laughs> right. And I'll have to figure out some better networking. But anyway, we have come down to the end of our topics for tonight, which means we are at the social media roundup. So we will get Cheryl off of Facebook for a couple of minutes Cheryl is not on Facebook. Cheryl's on Walmart. She's on Ally Express. No, she's on Walmart. (laughs) Well, when you get done with the social media roundup, you can add another bottle of Coke to your list. So okay, and then in the meantime, you can handle the social media roundup. All righty then. So for Patreons, we have Richard Gordon, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, David Jakeway, Donald Gover, Douglas Rutter, Erner Castales. Herb Garcia, John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randall Smith, Randolph Smith, excuse me, Robert Pitt, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, William Heckelman, and Jonas Rulo. Okay, let's say it on three. One, two, three. Jonas, Jonas Rulo. Rulo. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're we're about done with that. I think yeah, yeah I think that's about it. Yeah. Sorry, Jonas, you've you've worn it out. But. <laughs> Sorry we missed you for months and months and months. So anyway, for our subscriptions, we have Robert Black, Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Bradak, Alan Wilson, Ronald Ike, Michael Connolly, Steve Biella, Jim McKenzie, Dylan Engel, Johnny Kenzie, Robert Yerke, El Piotr, Darren King, Thor Wiegman, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman. Tony Coberly, Roger Pereira, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hepler, and Michael Jopling. On Facebook, we had Ben Hartley join us. And on Twitter, we had at Ben Hartley 1977, at WA5PSA, at Laura, uh, yeah, excuse, at Boyto. Boyto. Probably doesn't want to be called Boyto. Yeah, at Loris Boyto. And at Fosshost Foss, at one on YouTube, we had Todd Goodman, William Emity, and Clifton Avers. And nobody joined us on the mailing list and no merchandise sales. Yep. That's the way it goes. So we have come down to the end of this episode. We're going to wrap it up pretty quick here, but we do want to mention the folks who were in the live chat with us tonight, talking to us and commenting. And being a part of the production as we did this live recording of episode number 344, we had Tony KM4HSD stroke new call because apparently he was bored and decided he wanted a new call and <laughs> yeah. signed up for some. So I guess we'll find out what his call sign is whenever the FCC gets around to assigning it. We also had Ted WA0EIR, Don KC9ZMY, 
Don KB2Y. Wait a minute. Yeah, I was, I was in the right spot. Sorry. Don KB2Y aside, <laughs> Darren VK6EK, Dan KF5TQN, Stacy KB7YS, welcome. And Tom, and for hi! He was disappointed hi. last week, honestly. I think, <laughs> was he was. I think did, everybody did, did, was. Did he say something? <clears throat> he did, actually. Did he? Okay. I, I could scroll back through the Discord and, and find what he said, but yeah, he was, he was sad. I'm sorry. And we don't want to see a sad face on anyone. So anyone, anyone, anyway, thanks everybody for being here tonight. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. We appreciate everybody who participates, who donates, who uh, just is involved with the show in whatever capacity that happens to be. It all makes it worthwhile, and we can't thank you enough. So this has been episode number 344 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Ross, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at urlbctsinfo LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or handfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.
Linux in the Hamshack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.